Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. We have a very, very special guest speaker this morning. Jeff Anderson is with us. He is no stranger to our church. Our church has been around for seven years, and every year he has spoken at our church and talked about a tremendous ministry called Convoy of Hope. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Convoy of Hope, they're an incredible organization that are the first responders to any disaster relief. In addition to that, uh, there are children's feeding initiatives around the globe that Convoy of Hope is a part of, women's empowerment, as well as the advancement of the gospel. And so they are resourcing the local church uh, to advance the gospel in these countries and meet tangible, tangible needs. I asked Sarah to calculate what we've given in the last two years to Convoy of Hope, and she told me that nearly $70,000 in the last two years has been given to Convoy of Hope from our church. It's amazing. So in just a moment, Jeff's going to come share some stories. And all of us who have contributed to Kingdom Builders, contributed to One Day to Feed the World, have been a part of the stories that Jeff's going to share with us today. And so in just a moment, a video is going to play. And after that video, he's going to come to the stage. And I just want you to give him the warmest crosspoint welcome ever. So let's turn our attention to the screen. Prepare for mass evacuation. Devastated the region. Look at the world. Online, in the news, on your drive home from work, you see it. People are suffering. They're doing their best, but it doesn't seem to matter. They feel completely alone, asking, how am I ever going to make it? Is there anyone out there who cares about me? We say yes. At the heart of Convoy of Hope's work is our driving passion to use kindness as a force for change. We are the volunteer delivering relief after a disaster. We are the haircut or fresh pair of shoes. We are the multitude of people who care about their neighbor and want to do something meaningful. So look at the world again. Really look at it. Through the hardship and despair and hurting is a hope that is waiting, demanding to burst forth. And it's not complicated. We believe that the problems that are plaguing the world can begin to be solved one small act of kindness at a time. Every meal served, every seed planted, and every smile sincerely given adds to the revolution of compassion we are so proud to be a part of. So look at the world one more time. The problems are big, no doubt, but the solution, oh, it's beautifully simple. And you, you're a part of it. Good morning, Cross Point Church. You are out of control, Jonathan. Hey, we got the introduction right today in this service. So that's amazing. In the first service, we were just all over the place. You missed us just running every direction. So good morning. It's great to be with you today. Uh, I am so excited to be back at Cross Point. Of course, I, I, Jonathan and Erica, not only do we love you, we, Convoy loves you, Convoy loves this church. You have made so many things possible for others uh, it'll blow your mind. So I'm going to take you on a little journey today, tell you some stories that are yours. And because of your partnership, I love what one pastor in Seattle, Washington said. He goes, he goes Jeff, it was about five years ago, we were sitting around a table at a dinner. He goes, Jeff, he goes, you got, he goes I don't give to Convoy of Hope, I give through Convoy of Hope. 
And that, that little talk changed my life because they trust us to steward missions dollars, compassion dollars, your kingdom builders, your one day to feed the world. Uh, you guys have just done an amazing job. In fact, during the pandemic, last year, your pastor called me and said, hey, Jeff, it's Jonathan. I said, how you doing? We little catch up, you know, a little small talk. And then he goes, hey, he goes, we're planning on doing one day to feed the world. And I'm like, what? You're doing one day during the pandemic? During the time of most the, the human need across the, across the planet? He goes, yeah, we're just going to kind of do that. So I love Cross Point Church because you have given and served your way through a pandemic. And I give glory to God for that and thank you for that. So that means the world to us. Um, Jonathan, I know that in the last couple of years, $70,000, that's, number one, that's a lot of money for any person, any church to give, but today these stories, hopefully you'll understand that these stories happen because of your giving, you taking one day of your life, one day of your wage, many of you <clears throat> giving sacrificially, excuse me, many of you giving sacrificially, yeah, I need that, I can't believe it, am I choking up on myself here, thank you. So, uh, welcome to those who are here in the house and those who are watching online, um, and Jonathan, Erica, the entire staff, the team, I love this church. In fact, <clears throat> when I come to this church, I know so many people, and you're kind to me, and I don't necessarily remember all of your names, but I literally have a donut in one hand, a cup of coffee in the other hand, my backpack strapped over my shoulder, and how many of you know if you're holding a cup of coffee in this hand and you have your backpack in this hand, and if it starts to slide, it's not going to be pretty. And two people want to give me a hug out in the lobby. And I'm like, this is just, so I just drop all my stuff and give hugs. And uh, you have made me feel loved. Greetings from my wife, Mary. Somebody's got to be back at the ranch running it. And she's volunteering at our church today. In fact, she's volunteering at our One Heart Ministry, which is our food pantry. During church, folks come in, place their orders for the groceries and hygiene things. We do the shopping in the store. We bag it up. Then they go to church. And then after church, they come back by and we help them get those groceries. So my wife does just about every Sunday that she's not with me, she's doing some form of work that Convoy does right in Ozark, Missouri. So she loves that kind of stuff, so she says hi. Here's a picture of an upside-down tree in Italy. What does this have to do with anything? In Bacoli, Italy, there is a wild fig tree that grows upside-down. It's located in the vault of an ancient Roman bathhouse, within the archaeological complex of a place called Baia. The tree grew above the vault, but since the roots compromised the structure, it was decided to cut the trunk up top. After a short time, the roots that hung from the ceiling of the vault began to mutate, turning into branches. Thus, this tree is alive and well, still producing fruit, but it's upside down. And ladies and gentlemen, that's a picture of my life for the last 18 months. And I don't know if you feel that way or if you feel like, hey, every, see, God takes things and turns them right side up with his love and grace and mercy, but sometimes you're just feeling upside down, and God still expects us to trust him, love him, obey him, and be fruitful. And so uh, that has no theological bearing whatsoever. If you think it does, you probably need some new theology. But um, I've, I felt like, hey, let's cut them down, turn them upside down, and see what happens, and God is still alive. Well, 17 months ago, you can't imagine the difference that this church has been making through Convoy. 17 months ago, we gathered in a room and said, God, what do you want us to do? We felt like 10 million meals was a good start, multiple tractor-trailer loads going out to different food-insecure places across the country. I'm happy to report to you today 
that because of Kingdom Builders, because of One Day to Feed the World, because of an amazing church called Cross Point in Waverly, Iowa, we have distributed 200 million plus meals. So, 48 states, Washington, D.C. served domestically, 32 countries served internationally. Somebody asked me after the service, first service, they said, hey, how did that affect, the pandemic affect all of our developing nations? Well, it was awful. And so those countries, we were able to layer on top of an already steady supply chain to those nations, more food, more, more uh, supplies to help people in their time of need. People were sharing the love of Jesus, people sharing food and water, people sharing their lives with one another around the world. So you are very much a part of that. To date, Convoy has served 160 million people in 127 nations, currently serving 387,000 kids in 25 nations in our children's feeding program, served 1,500 communities across America, and of course, thousands of farmers trained, women's empowered, kids fed. Right now, uh, we are responding, because of your partnership, to bringing hope and help to children, adults, and families. 92 cents of every dollar goes to programs. So the next time you're thinking about, hey, where does all that money go? And uh, my dad, who's 96, he just called me yesterday from California. And he said, where are you at this weekend, son? I said, I'm in Waverly, Iowa. He goes, you go there a lot. <laughs> like, you remember that church? He goes, yeah. He goes, I remember Waverly. He said, haven't you been going there for years? And then Jonathan reminded me, I'm old. I'm, I've been here seven times today. So it's like, anyway, I'm, I'm honored to be a voice. And my dad uh, was asking me, he's like, you know, where are you going to be at this weekend? And I told him. And the coolest number of Convoy of Hope is this. Hundreds of thousands of people coming to know Jesus as their Savior. Why do we do all of this? You know, why do we make the church look good? Why do you take a building that has history in a city and turn it into a worship center. You know, first thing on site, Jonathan grabs me, we go downstairs, he's like, check this out. This new weapon you have as a youth center in this facility, and the floor, and the walls, and the bathrooms. It's like, I've never been so happy about bathrooms in my life. <laughs> and I'm like, just a new bathroom. Who doesn't love a new bathroom? And I walked around there, and I'm like, God, this church is making it so hard to go to hell from Waverly. Like, if you live in Waverly, good luck going to hell. I got to get back on track. That's why I have notes, because I haven't been, anyway. So, you guys, I love this church. I love what you guys do. So, here's our COVID response and a couple of other pictures. So, this is a, a montage. This just gives you a feel. You guys made all this happen. Lots of contactless outreaches. Thank God we can go back to contact outreaches. That's what we call them. At Convoy now, we kind of laugh. And then uh, volunteers showing up, helping move product, getting it to people in need, whether it's drive-by or drop-off. Uh, this next slide, the fires and the drought in the West, we're responding right now to those as well as this next slide, Haiti. Uh, you can see this is in the South, so if you see Haiti, you know, like this, it's down here where the impact was. It's uh, probably 80 miles impact from well, a little bit farther from Port-au-Prince, but that's, thank God, you know, we, we don't like any disasters happening, but Haiti's disaster prone. And when Haiti was flattened 10 years ago, that, that uh, epicenter, the shock wave came from out in the middle of the ocean, and it's interesting that it landed, the epicenter, the impact point, was right under the National Capitol building. 
the impact point, and it flattened the entire grounds that are there. So uh, they're still, of course, rebuilding now Haiti without a president, without a plan. Gangs, mob rule is, is, rules the day in Haiti right now, so it's really bad. So thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. Pray for the safety of our workers and our volunteers, if you would. Uh, they're on the ground right now responding. So here's a few stats I just received this morning. Highest aftershock, 5.2. Uh, no further tsunami threat. Communities threatened uh, are in the south. All team members and partners are safe and accounted for. We're waiting to he hear from a few of our children's feeding centers. We have 435 children's feeding centers in Haiti alone. Uh, warehouse and team are positioned, beginning to distribute immediate supplies today, more supplies en route. We're responding in multiple ways to get supplies into the affected communities. Here's a big deal. You won't hear this. I, the international disaster is also monitoring Tropical Storm Grace, which has the possibility of affecting Haiti on Monday or Tuesday. So tomorrow and Tuesday, be in prayer that that storm just breaks up and falls apart, if you would. So, so picture with me right here uh, a table. That table has four legs, four chairs. Each of those legs and chairs represents someone. The first Chair represents a dad who gets up every day and goes to work hard, putting the roof over the head, food on the table, uh, taking care of his family. The second one is a hardworking mom who's learning new skills, how to raise her kids, and uh, living in a developing nation where all the resources and assets are not available. Loves her kids, wants the best for her kids. The third chair is a child, and that child is getting a full belly uh, so that they can learn and go to school and read and write and learn about Jesus, a clear presentation of the gospel. And the fourth chair is empty because that's your chair. That's my chair. That's the chair that we sit in to make all of that possible. And hope really does set the table. All over the world, there are empty plates at the table and countless empty seats. In the famine, in the flood, in the aftermath. A full table is a fantasy. When you are eating nothing, going nowhere, when every road is a dead end and every cupboard is bare, a full plate is a fable. Then suddenly, love arrives. Faith gets to work and hope rolls up its sleeves. When hope sets the table, seeds become sprouts, become gardens, become fields. Future sinks its roots into the good earth. When hope sets the table, girls grow into women with the power to chase their dreams, define their destinies, and weave their love into communities too strong to unravel. When hope sets the table, bright eyes shine with confidence that comes from a full belly and a sharp mind sparkling with grand dreams and electrifying visions. Convoy of Hope has worked tirelessly to build that table, and millions have taken a seat. Now we ask you to join us, to 
Put your love to work. Put your faith on the line. Share the hope that's in your heart. So please, pull up a chair. Let us break bread together and let hope set the table for millions more. You make all of that possible. <clears throat> Those images, the people, their stories, the trajectory of their life, the people that you see in, in pictures or in video, Cross Point Church in Waverly, Iowa, has had a direct hand in the lives of those people. And so we want to thank you on behalf of all of the beneficiaries of all of our programs around the world. So through all the pain and suffering in the earth right now, Convoy is continuing to deliver help and hope in Jesus' name. How do we do that? We do that through the local church. Everywhere we go in the world, God has people. Amen? God has people. And that's back to my phone call with my dad, who's 96-year-old. He goes, man, God's got people everywhere, doesn't he, Jeff? Even in Waverly, Iowa. I'm like, yes, he does, Dad. He goes, where is that? <laughs> so I had to tell him where it was. Here are some of the people you're making life better for. So some of our boys in Nicaragua, uh, back to school means back to meals. Next slide, you can see the pictures of the water program. And this is a very rare picture, by the way. That usually doesn't happen where they just will run the water and just almost play in it. What kid doesn't like to play in water, right? Well, I got a granddaughter that doesn't necessarily like water right now. But anyway, besides her, um, and seeing the water flow, clean water, drinking water, water is the number one offender of developing nations to keep folks not just oppressed physically and, and, and emotionally that way, but the clean water is a game changer. Here's, here's a story. Our mom, one of the moms came with two very sick little boys and constant runny noses for months and months and months. Their first three years of their life, they were just sickly and weak, uh, couldn't, couldn't figure it out. Water purification comes to Aranje, this little community in Haiti, and about a month later, she comes back with like two little, you know, wranglers on her arms. She can barely keep them down, and she's like, what? they're like, what's going on? Well, how's it going? She goes, it's going really good. She goes, my babies are well. My babies are well, because the clean water changed the game. This next picture uh, is Angelica. She's one of my favorite kids in Nicaragua, but... She came up to me and she said, this is, she says, this is my lunch. This is what I'm going to eat today. And I'm like, yeah, it looks amazing. She goes, yeah, but look at the egg. And I said, I'm looking at the egg, Angelica. She goes, I'm going to eat the egg. And I said, that's great. She goes, I've never had an egg before. I said, you've never had an egg? She's never, I, I've never had my own egg. That's what she was trying to tell me, and that's what she wanted us to see in the picture, that she was about to go over there and just destroy that egg at lunch. And I thought, thank you, God, for little kids that they eat like my kids in these places. And that's not normal. That's not normal because of the food insecurity in that country. Next slide. You can see uh, one of moms in the Women's Empowerment Program. She represents so many thousands of women in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. That's where this program is. Next slide. You can see our farmers, agriculture, growing more and better food. And this is, of course, this next slide is the picture of the harvest where our farmers tithe their crops 10% back into the country where they're growing the food so we can feed kids. They take the other 90%, take it to market, feed their families, pay the bills, employ employees. So it's a win-win-win, and it all happens because we have a guy on our team named Dr. Dirt. His name is Dr. Jason Struble. He is an amazing human being, and he dreams 
and fantasizes about people and country growing more and better food so one day they don't need Convoy of Hope. Amen? We're working ourselves out of a job by training and giving skills instead of just stuff. And I believe that with all of my heart, that, that God is going to change many of these nations because we are taking care of the most vulnerable, the least, the last, and the lost. This last picture, second to last, is a girl in Nicaragua. Uh, and for many of these kids like her, it means back to meals. That was just taken a couple weeks ago as she went back to school. And uh, pretty, pretty awesome. This next slide was sent to me last night by our, our Europe director and convoy, Ron Showers. And Ron said, months ago, this family started this rabbit program with just a couple of rabbits. On a diet of wheat and barley, the rabbits have multiplied now. This growth provides more opportunities for the family, gives them a chance at financial stability in Moldova, right, right next to Ukraine, in between uh, Transdenistra, Russia, and Ukraine, Eastern Europe. European fam uh, empowering families through agriculture, it's all about sustainable initiatives for community development. And this is what the director, uh, this is the director right there in the hat. He said, one rabbit at a time, we can begin to see our families thrive. So that's just a simple concept, simple idea of a model of helping get people out of extreme poverty. Because of your help, we're able to be Jesus with skin on, combining food, clean water, critical supplies, a clear presentation of the gospel at those times. Well, today, how does God see the world? I, I'm just, I have a short message, but I felt like this was important. I wanted to go convoy heavy, and I felt like God was saying, no, I want you to do this. How, do, how does God see the world? So it's kind of a when God sees the world. And I, I wrote this message really in response to uh, a couple of uh, winters back, I decided to, uh, I was going to fly through Chicago, and then I had an hour's drive to a friend of mine's church. Uh, like Jonathan and Erica, I was speaking on a Sunday, so it was a Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, got my rental car, had an hour's drive, and I decided to go kind of off GPS because there was another alternate route, so I just clicked alternate route. How many of you know, go with the first plan A on your GPS because plan B was, did not work out so well for me, so I'm driving down this country road, I realize I'm lost, I'm going to flip a U, I'm going back to plan A. As I flipped to you, what I thought was a paved road with maybe a little bit of dirt on it, because I couldn't see very well, it was pitch black, um, it became a toboggan hill for a Nissan Sentra rental car, because I turned, and, in, and I kept turning, but my car just went down a hill, slid out into the middle of a pasture. So it's, uh, oh, I didn't mention, it was two below, 25 below with wind chill factor, I have a down jacket, wimpy non-Boy Scout shoes, and no layers. My cell phone was fully charged. So what do you do when you do that? You call Jesus. No, you call AAA. And <laughs> I called on Jesus already. So I called AAA, and they said, uh, yeah, I said, I'm here, and I'm going to send you my GPS coordinate. I need a tow. I'm stuck. I'm in a rental car. It's not a good situation. She's like, sir, we're 90 hours backed up. She could have said three days, but she said 90 hours. And she said, you need a plan B, and you need one fast. And this is the AAA lady. And I'm like, okay. So I hung up the phone, and I said, God, you got to send somebody. And I was about ready to call Wes, my friend, and I, that was last resort. So I see this car. I turn the flashers on, the lights. I open my door, carve the snow out to open my door. And all of a sudden, this car just rolls up, looks 
and just takes off. I'm like, they're gone. And I'm like, Lord, let me be more specific. You need to send someone that's going to stop, get out of their vehicle, pull my car out of the ditch, and help me in Jesus' name. So I'm sitting there a few minutes later. Here comes this four quad cab truck. He stops. This dude runs out in coveralls. Like, they wear coveralls in Illinois a lot. And he runs out into the field. He goes, I'll be right back. <laughs> he takes off. He comes back 15 minutes later, rolls out there, cable. He's got a wife and a teenage daughter in the car. And so while we're talking, his name's Ryan. I introduced myself. I said, dude, what made you go by here at like 1120 at night? He goes, my teenage daughter. He's griping at me. I said, what's up with your teenage daughter? He goes, she wanted to go drive my truck to show me how she could drive. So I just tossed her the keys and I said, let's go. Because she just got her learner's permit. And I'm like, well, thank God for your 16-year-old daughter. She saved my life tonight. He goes, yeah, I guess so. He goes, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm speaking at a church. He goes, what church? Harvest Chapel. And he goes, that's my church. He said, I go to that church. I'm like, you are a good Samaritan. <laughs> you ever heard of that story? So seriously, so God knew where I was. So first of all, GPS stands for Global Positioning System, a space-based radio navigation system consisting of a constellation of satellites and a network of ground stations used for monitoring and control. GPS satellites orbit the Earth at an altitude of approximately 11,000 miles, providing users with accurate information on their position and speed anywhere in the world and in all weather conditions. We can thank President Ronald Reagan for releasing GPS technology to the general public from the Army many, many years ago in the 80s. And I was thinking how God must smile on our scientific inventions. As wonderful as they are, they must seem like kindergarten toys to him. Here goes. The Bible says, from the heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. His eyes are on the ways of men, and he sees their every step. He never takes his eyes off the righteous. So, God knows where you are today. Number one, you're here, but I mean God knows where you are. He knows where you are, but he knows where you are. Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically. Why? He wired and fired us. He made us. He knows us. He created us for relationship with him. He didn't create you so you would be robotic and go to church and give and raise your hands and do all the things and never let it affect your heart. God made you for intimacy. God made you for fellowship, for relationship with him. Amen? It's way better than a religion, ladies and gentlemen. So people within driving distance of this church they're not interested in necessarily going to church. I mean, they're interested in like, what's going to meet the deepest needs of my life? Why am I so empty? As one of my uh, friends who is a donor to Convoy of Hope, he said, Jeff, I have everything I want, but I don't want everything that I have. Why? Because it doesn't fill the gaps. It doesn't fill the God-shaped holes in our lives that we try to fix it with stuff and things and money and whatever it is that we try to fill those spaces with. So God knows where you are. How wonderful to know that God always knows where we are. As helpful as a GPS is, if the battery inside doesn't work, the unit's worthless. But God is always aware exactly where we are. The Bible says in Psalm 145, the Lord watches over all who love him. Maybe this message today is for some of you. It's like, I just need some general encouragement. Like, I need some 
I need an injection of adrenaline into my walk with God. Maybe you're flat, you're tired. Maybe you're still trudging through this pandemic. Wherever you are today, this promise is for you. Isaiah 58, 11, the Lord will guide you always. One of my, one of my life verses. So we talk about God being omnipotent, all-powerful. We talk about him being omniscient, all-knowing. And we talk about him being omnipresent, ever-present, all everywhere, all the time. There's no place that he's not. And there's a big word that my 32-year English teacher, mother-in-law, now retired in Montana, shared with me. She said, there's, Jeff, there's a really cool word about describing the sovereignty of God. I said, what is that? She goes, it's simultaneity. Okay, it's like simultaneous. And I'm like, what does that mean? She goes, like God can bless somebody in Haiti and protect and help, and he can show up in Waverly, Iowa at the same time. I'm limited by time and space. So I'm flying, I get on a plane, I fly, I get off the plane, I have to grab my suitcase. I can't just wiggle my nose or wave a wand and go, put that suitcase in my rental car, put me in my rental car, and put me in Waverly. I wish I could. I wish I could beam myself. I really do. There's so many places I want to go and things I want to I do. But I'm limited by time and space. God is not limited by time and space. So when you pray... You are talking to God who is not limited by time and space. So as, as soon as you begin to do battle on your knees, praying for your state, praying for your country, praying for the disaster in Haiti or India or wherever it might be, God is working and has capacity to do that. So it's kind of exciting. Omnipresence of God, he's everywhere all the time. Two, God knows what you need. So not only God, does God know where I, he knew where I was, he knew what I needed. God knows where you are, and today he knows what you need. Matthew 6, 8, your father knows what you need before you ask him. In this next verse, he tells us to pray for our needs. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray continually. That means pray a lot. And Philippians 4, 13, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. And those verses did not come up there if you're taking notes. It's Philippians 4, 13, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. And I was reminded of that, that I skipped that in my notes as well. So it's all good. But if you're taking notes, write those down. The omniscience of God. In other words, he knows everything. It's very interesting that my mom, who has been with Jesus for eight years, she uh, went, passed, went to heaven. She had Alzheimer's the last year and a half of her life. It was just an awful, cruel uh, death way to go. My mom loved Jesus. She accepted the Lord when she was a little farm girl in, in Kansas many years ago. And uh, I'll never forget trying to pull one over on my mom. Like, so then there, there's, like, my dad was Lutheran, my mom was Pentecostal holiness, and they compromised and went to the Assemblies of God. And so, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, my dad never raised his hands, he never heard people speak in tongues or heavenly language, he never saw anybody healed, because they just didn't talk about that stuff. And then my mom, that's all she was raised on, was just like pure, unadulterated fire, every service. My mom, in fact, would say this, if there was not a shout, a cry, or a fight, we didn't have church. So I'm just saying, my mom was raised different than my dad, real sophisticated Quad Cities Lutheran church. My dad, they came over here from Sweden, and mom uh, raised out in Kansas and Oklahoma, and then they went west. But the point is this, my mom could operate in spiritual gifts while, watching, while washing the dishes, 
Because I would come home, and I, she would say, how's your day, son? I would be, good, mom. I had a good day. Where you been? You've been over, I've been over at Darren. She goes, no, you haven't. How does she know? She goes, where you been? I said, I was over at Chuck's. No, you weren't. God, I got to tell her I was at Cheryl's house. <laughs> like, I know. I went to show. She goes, I know, because Cheryl's mom called me. And I thought she was operating in spiritual gifts. Moms operate in spiritual giftings all the time because they just talk. So my point is this. My mom had a very different approach to raising us kids with responsibility. And, and this, this point is going somewhere. It really is. God knows what you need. And a lot of times my mom would be the one that helped open the door to developing my spiritual life. And would, would say, hey, you can trust God. God watches you. He knows what you need. And it's interesting that as parents, we raise our kids, and they basically do our will for 18 years or 16 or whatever. They do our will, and then the goal is, is to pass the baton to them, which is God's will, and then they pursue God's will for the rest of their life. You're always pursuing someone else's will. You never. So whenever your will is front and center, you're out of God's will. We're always pursuing someone else's will. So whether it's a boss, it's a church, it's a family, uh, wherever it is, we're, we're under that authority, and God has given us that as blessing. So God knows what you need. Matthew 6, 8, your father knows what you need before you ask him. I love that verse. It says, ask him. God commands us to continually pray, and, and obviously the omniscience of God, him knowing everything, he says, hey, you need to ask me. That's the key. And three, help us on the way. So God knows where you are. He knows what you need. And help us on the way. I knew somebody was going to come and help me. I just didn't know when and where. Maybe you're in a situation right now where you just really doubt that God can help you through your circumstance, your situation. Several weeks back in Minnesota at a good church that supports Convoy, just like this church, on a Friday afternoon before the Sunday, a man was let out of prison at this particular community in Minnesota. He'd been in prison for almost two years. Before he left, the prison guard was gathering the bag of things, and he looked at him, and he goes, he, asked, he told the guy's name, he goes, you need to go to church and go to this church. So he goes home. Sunday morning, he opens the computer, watches the first service online. This ex-con felon gets saved. He received Jesus as his Savior during the online service. He showers and shaves. He grabs a mayonnaise jar full of change, like stacked to the top. He shows up at church at the front door, and he asks, he goes, where's the treasurer? Like, he didn't know what to say. He'd never been to church. Like, the usher's like, um... Hang on a second. So they go, they go, they come back and they bring like the business manager or the CFO or something of the church. They're like, hey man, how you doing? So he takes his jar and he just like plops it on the platform and he sits on the front row. He goes through the second service. And so afterwards, pastor comes up to him. He's like, man, what's going on? He goes, the guard told me to check this church out. I got saved the first service. I got ready. I'm here the second service. And he said, what's this convoy of hope thing? He goes, we just do it. He goes, man, he goes, it, it touched my heart. I've never heard of it. He goes, I'm just giving all the money that I have today to Convoy of Hope. It so moved 
the pastor and people in the church that people during the offering, they started coming up and just dropping their offerings on the platform around this jar. To date, this church has raised enough money to buy two semi-tractor trailers. So, and the only reason I'm telling you that is because that's a God story. This pastor is so blown away, he has never seen anything like it. When God decides to send help, he is going to send help. If we really believe God is our helper, that he's willing to help us no matter what our situation, we have no reason to worry or get overwhelmed. Finally, Psalm 43 Why are you so downcast? Why should you moan over me and be disquieted within me? Hope in God and wait expectantly for him. For I shall yet praise him who is the help of my sad countenance and my God. And finally, Isaiah 41. Don't fear, I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So 11 years ago, Mary and I moved to the great state of Missouri. Uh, We pastored 23 years before that, most recently in Rapid City, South Dakota, near Mount Rushmore. We were told about a neighbor. Uh, This was a neighbor everybody didn't like. And I'm like, that's not nice. You know, I've not even met the neighbor, and I already don't like him. And he lives two doors down from me, big house. His wife passed away during the pandemic and stuff. So this is years ago, and I see that my neighbor, Jerry, his lawn is long, and he's got a huge lawn. So I thought, I'm going to go mow his lawn, just be a good neighbor. It's fun. It was a hot August day. And it's every wannabe redneck's dream to drive his riding mower down the middle of the street. And I did, and it was awesome. My wife's, my wife's just shaking her head, like looking at me, drive out of the driveway. I mow his lawn. I just get ready, and nobody's home, I think. And all of a sudden, I see this guy come out on the porch like this, his arms crossed, like, a, like he looked like a rooster. He's like... And so I shut the mower off. He comes down off the stoop. He goes, who are you? And I wanted to say, like, I'm the angelic craftsman lawnmower guy that just showed up to mow your lawn and whatever. But he said, uh, I'm your neighbor two doors down. He goes, oh, you're the guy that works for Convoy of Hope. I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I said, how'd you know? He goes, neighbors talk. Well, he said, wait right here. And so he runs back in the house and he comes out with a Coors tall boy and a green apple. And he hands me the Coors beer and he goes, you want a beer? I'm like, no. He goes, he goes, you want an apple? And I'm like, yeah. So he hands me the green apple. He cracks the beer. And for the next 90 minutes on Jerry's stoop of his porch, he unpacks his life. I was not prepared for what I was about to hear. The loss, the pain, the rejection, the self-inflicted wounds, the bad decisions that he made, and he owned them all. He stands up, he wipes tears from his cheek, and he reaches out with his hand and he goes, thanks for being a good neighbor. And I shook his hand, and I quickly realized in my heart, He didn't let my hand go, and he goes, you're the only person in this neighborhood who has talked to me. And that is when, ladies and gentlemen, I realized that kindness and being like Jesus is a lifestyle. It is not a job. It's not a job. I drove back home changed, 
do you know he comes and checks on me now when he doesn't see my truck? When he sees my truck in my driveway, he'll walk down the street, knock on my door, and say, is Jeff home? And like Annika goes, Dad, your buddy Jerry's here. He wants to know what you're doing. We had him over for a barbecue. He's a trip. He's got crazy. He's crazy. He's, he's, I know why people think he's a little odd, because he is. But the thing is, those people, people that are marginalized, people that you don't think, ah, you know, just write them off. They need Jesus. God knows where he is. God knows what he needs. And I said, God, if I'm the help that's on the way, he's in bad shape. But he needed some love and kindness. So today, thank you, Crosspoint, for showing love and kindness around the world. You guys, I love you all. Thank you. What an incredible message, incredible stories of life transformation and change that's taken place because of you. Here's the deal. We never want to pass up an opportunity for someone to receive the help that's on the way today. And so maybe there are some of you who've come in today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you're like, today, I want to have a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe there are some of you who've turned your back on him and you say, today, I need to see my relationship restored back to my maker. I'm going to ask that you would close your eyes and bow your heads all across this room. If you say, Pastor, that's me, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time, or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three, lift them up all across this room. Thank you, I see that hand. Are there others this morning? Two, three, four. Are there others this morning? You can put them down. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand all across this room. There were at least four hands that went up this morning of people who need to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who need to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you raised your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. So dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. And this morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my king. Be my savior. Take over everything. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. If you prayed that prayer today, we would ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998. Again, 319-250-8998. If you'll just text the word yes to that, we want to encourage you along in your next steps as a follower of Jesus. So I'm going to ask the prayer team to join me up here at the front. And maybe you've come today and you just need a touch from God. There's something that, that uh, today you need him to answer a prayer. And so uh, today there... 
the worship team is going to lead us in this next song, and I would encourage you to just step out from your seat. Maybe some of you are so, uh, your hearts are so tugged towards the nation of Haiti this morning. You're like, I just want to join with another person today and pray for uh, the nation of Haiti. But whatever your need is, I would encourage you, as soon as the worship team begins to sing, to step out of your seats. But before we do that, Jeff, I just want to say thank you. Thanks for your investment in our church. Thanks for your voice in our church and for the ministry that you do. Very grateful. Thanks for uh, being a part of something that, that we get to partner with in such an, in an amazing way. So God bless you. Thank you. Worship team's going to lead us as they do. Feel free to step out of your seat and, uh, and come forward for prayer. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.